repeated classics. Fulfilling failed franchises. Reinvigorating reviled rehashes. It's the follow-up showdown with Paul Gitz, Travis McMaster, and Lauren Accordi. Hello and welcome to the follow-up showdown to Nerds in Quarantine, where we continue to give worthy second chapters to stories that don't have them. I am your host, Paul Getz. I normally have my co-hosts, Travis McMaster and Lauren Picorni here, but they are in the middle of a cross-country move from Los Angeles to Raleigh, North Carolina. I wish them the best. Uh, they'll be back in here soon. But as we all know, Paul abides. <laughs> if this is the first time you're joining us, the way it works is we take a movie that has either no sequel or a sequel that should stay out of Malibu and each take turns coming up with the best possible continuation. My guests today are a couple of fine and funny fellows, former, I guess I could say co-worker, maybe adjacent workers of mine and friends. We've got unemployed actor, Tony Vinci. That's how you pronounce your last name, right? Yeah, baby. Okay, beautiful. Well, if, we, if we were in the if we were in the old country, it'd be Vinci. I just want people to know that. Okay, great. And film enthusiast and self-proclaimed resident sarcastic asshole Travis Ray. Hey, Travis. Hello, Paulie. Good to see you both. Wonderful to have you here to talk about today's film, The Jesus Rolls, the 2020 spin-off sequel to the 1998 cult classic masterpiece, The Big Lebowski. Why don't we start there, fellas? Let's talk a little bit about our feelings on the first one. Well, I, for a very long time, I was trying to figure out what my favorite movie was. And that's a very hard question because there's a lot of movies out there. And I simplified it to being like what movie I could watch over and over again that just makes me happy. And it's The Big Lebowski for me. Mm. And I remember seeing it for the first time. I remember like when it came out, and then when I was in college, everyone was like, you got to watch The Big Lebowski. It's so good. It's so good. And I watched it once and I was like, eh, it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's not as good as everyone says it is. Mm-hmm. But then <laughs> I really fell in love with it. And I probably watch it once or twice a year, I think. Yeah. And I think the greatest thing about this movie is every time I watch it, and I've seen it so many fucking times, every time I watch it, I notice something different. Or something yeah. new. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's one of the, it's like it's, it's an onion film. Like the every time you watch it, you get a new layer, you get a new thing you didn't notice before. It just reinforces everything you loved about it. As you, you know, the all the repeat watches and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm honestly honored to be here for this episode. I don't even know if I'm worthy of this pause. Like this this film is a, is, is a is a you know like you said a masterpiece, and there's a lot to uh, to live up to and to unpack here. So yeah, I think it's questionable whether anyone is worthy of following this up. Certainly not John Turturro, but again, we'll get into that. Uh, <laughs> my guy, it's my guy. All right, well, we'll come back around to that. I have a, a whole Turturro category I want to get into before we start talking about that movie. But as far as The Big Lebowski goes, this movie slaps every <laughs> fucking time. It's, uh, I mean, and and once you do always notice something different. Even, even the things that aren't totally new things, you just start noticing more connections between characters, between plot points, and, and it's, it's incredible how tight 
everything is and how well thought out. Um, the first time I saw it, I was 11 years old and I did not get it. <laughs> I, I, it it's, it's weird because my dad had shown me Fargo and for some mm. reason that one hit for me at 11. So then I rented this uh, you know, just out of pure excitement for their next movie and uh, for the Coen brothers next movie. And it just washed over me as a lot of weird imagery, you know, the, the Autobahn guys with the scissors that like definitely odd, but it all does make sense. and does work. I just th- don't think an 11 year old can compute it. Anyways, say, if, if you, if you understood yeah. it at 11, I didn't get it when I was 20. Yeah. Then we would have, we would have had problems. It wasn't until I feel like later in high school that it just started getting around. And a buddy of mine was like, have you seen this? I was like, yeah, I've seen it. It's weird. And he was like, uh, it's amazing. <laughs> and then, uh, and then I started to get it. I have said before on this podcast that dumb and dumber is my favorite comedy of all time, but big Lebowski might take it. It is at very least second, if not tied for first, because it is, it's beyond perfect. Really mm. every single scene has a flow to it. It's like yeah. you're watching a perfectly rehearsed play or something where every single scene is like music. You know, it has a plot, but the plot is sort of somewhat unnecessary to your experience watching the film, which is, you know, to have such high praise for something that really doesn't matter what necessarily happens ultimately is, is, is you know, a difficult thing to achieve, I think, for sure. And, you know, only the Coen brothers could probably swing something like that. As far as like the unsung heroes assignment that I gave you guys, I feel like for the Big Lebowski, it's going to be tough because everyone's a hero. Every single scene, every single minor character is at 100% and gives you a a completely new thing to laugh at and enjoy. It's, it's, it's unreal. I was thinking about that. Uh, It's just, and again, a testament to the Coen brothers. They're so good at casting their films, all, all their movies, you know, every person in that movie serves a purpose and they're so good at it. Yeah. You know, even the even the taxi cab driver oh, when he's getting yeah. the yeah. on his cab, like that scene is so good. That guy is yeah. so good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The cops that are questioning him about the car. Uh, oh, yeah. the cr- oh, the creeps. Even little people with no lines. The expression on the face of the man who's throwing the naked woman on the. Like, <laughs> yeah. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I I love the Coen Brothers, huge huge fan. They do have, you know, at least a handful of other perfect masterworks. Yeah. But I would say, as far as like a straight one hundred percent comedy, this is on a even another level for them. Yeah, because yeah. the one thing I wondered about is how it feels uh, for girls. Is this sure. a guys movie? Because they're, I mean, Maude is a great character, but do they do they just not? connect as much in my experience like my wife doesn't she doesn't understand it at all like she's she's i've made her watch it of course but she and she just like like there's, there's funny scenes or there's things that make her laugh but there she she doesn't understand like the that sort of culty obsession with it and the fact that you know this this putting it on this pedestal she's like yeah like i guess it's like you know kind of weird <laughs> esoteric and whatever but like yeah it's a great point yeah, yeah. Same with uh, my girlfriend too. She's kind of just like, "Why do you love this so much?" But I think part of it is I do a little bit of a disservice because I'm like, I, I, I'm 
almost like reciting lines or like turning to her. I'm like, this part's oh, gonna be so fucking funny. Watch this. this is so good. <laughs> or like when I notice when I notice new things about it, right? That things that like I kind of come to revisit. I like laugh so much, and I'm like repeating the joke to her. So I think it's she's kind of like I would just like to just watch this. Watch yeah, a cult status thing can can really get in the way of something. For example, the first time I saw Rocky Horror Picture Show was at a midnight movie. Yeah, and I couldn't enjoy it at all. It was just every no one would shut up, you know, yeah. and then they're not supposed to. It's like that's what they're there for. But at the same time, I'm like, fuck, I don't, need, I can't, guys, I don't know what's happening. Not, you know. Here, yeah. <laughs> uh, the first time I watched it, I think I was in high school. I have this weird memory of like I was sick, and I went to the video store and I rented it, and I remember wow. reading the back of the DVD or the VHS, whatever it was. I forget at the time, probably VHS. And um, in the the back description, knowing what I know about the movie now and feel about the movie now is so off base. It's, it's <laughs> like it's it's. So I'm gonna I found it. I'm gonna read it to you guys if you don't know. Oh, <laughs> so it goes: the dude, one cool guy, one day comes home to find <laughs> two thugs have broken in and ruined his favorite carpet. The one that made the room quote hang together. First of all, that's not the law. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Uh, they did it because they got the same name. He's got the same name as one of the richest men in town, Lebowski. But hey, no problem. He'll get even. At least he'll get someone <laughs> to pay for the carpet. That's it. I wow. mean, it is the inciting incident. Yeah. But not even it's close like, to what the movie's about. It sounds like it's supposed to be a revenge flick. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, this is a perfect time. Actually, we'd always do uh, what's normally two Travis McMaster minutes to break down the plot of The Big Lebowski and The Jesus Rolls. All goats, cliff notes, that's not a pronounced my name, although it's spelled like it would be. Theo is silent. Does it want, you want to time me, keep me honest, or, or you trust? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I got here. All right. And go. Dude is a stoner bowler. He is uh, accosted by two men who are trying to get money from a different man named with the same name as him, Jeffrey Lebowski. That man is rich. He's married to a trophy wife. Uh, she owes money all over town. The dude goes to him at the insistence of his friend Walter, uh, who he bowls with, to try to get compensation for the rug. It it kind of works out. Uh, after that, the dude gets pulled to be a courier because the trophy wife is then kidnapped. Uh, so he has to uh, make the money drop. Walter decides that they should keep the money because they both have decided that uh, she kidnapped herself. This begins sort of a noir story where nobody knows who has the money. There's a mystery of what's going on, but the dude is this passive detective for the whole thing. In the end, it turns out that the Big Lebowski himself also threw out a ringer uh, instead of paying the money because he wanted the wife gone. In the middle of it, his daughter asks the dude to impregnate her, and Donnie, their third bowling team member, dies out of a heart attack when they are attacked by nihilists who are also involved in the plot. <laughs> Jesus Quintana is John Turturro, He's their bowling rival. Then he gets his own movie, The Jesus Rolls, where he gets out of jail, hooks up with his best friend, Petey. They, they steal a hairdresser's car, uh, then give it back. Then 
uh, it turns out they know his assistant, so they take her with them for a bunch of sexual escapades. Neither of them can make her come. Uh, so they drop her back off, kind of tie her up at the hairdresser's place because she's making a bunch of noise while they're trying to rob the place. Oh, they do a bunch of crimes also. Uh, then they pick up Susan Sarandon, who's a woman getting out of prison. They have a threesome with her. She kills herself. Then they pick up her son. They try to make him part of their sex team. Uh, then he kills... A- okay. Well, it's close. That was pretty good. I got to be honest yeah. with you. You did better. Even watching that movie, I really didn't understand what was happening. But <laughs> you put it into perspective for me. The Big Lebowski rundown was like a cool, right on one minute, one second or so. so oh. that was pretty Ooh. I feel like I definitely, like, I was trying to get through that because I thought it'd be the more complicated. Yeah. And I probably left out something important to get to the Jesus rules, which is, like, nothing's important. Yeah. And, I don't think you left this room. You did better than the DVD box. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, I'm glad you. I'm glad everybody can make the comparison now. I, you know, I'm ready to rock. I'm about to get into my notes, but uh, just want to point out that if anybody hears the clinking of ice, that is my white Russian, which I did. That's the dude's drink. I guess I left that out of the minutes. Writer director notes on this. Everybody knows the Cohen brothers. If not, go on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Check it out. I think you'll uh, find a thing or two. In a 2009 uh, interview, Joel Cohen stated that movie has more of an enduring fascination for other people than it does for us. Hmm. Everything I know about where this movie came from for them is like based on people they know. Yeah. The dude is based on a man named Jeff Dowd who uh, got them distribution for Blood Simple uh, and went by the dude. Like, I mean, like... (laughs) There's so many stories that are exact to the movie that also the one of the people that Walter was based on was a private eye that helped the dude, Jeff Dowd, find his stolen car. And in the car was a kid's homework. So, like, I mean, like, that's how deep it goes in terms of these guys just like using real life. Um, And yet it still doesn't mean that much to them. That is crazy. It kind of Um, kind of makes me a little sad. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that much to them, you know? So John Goodman, Steve Buscemi, and Sam Elliott were the three guys that the Coens knew they were writing this for. Mm-hmm. So they they knew they wanted those three in those three roles. So the dude was the biggest question mark for them mm-hmm. uh, until Jeff Bridges came up. Before Jeff Bridges came up, they offered it to Robert Duvall, who passed. Mm-hmm. Wow. Anthony Hopkins passed because he said he didn't want to play an American. (laughs) Um, And Gene Hackman passed because he was on a break, like a retirement Mm. from acting at the time. I mean, very interesting. I mean, uh, right. But it's interesting because those guys, those three are some heavy hitters. So it just be interesting to see them. I bet they could fucking pull it off. For sure. It, It would be very interesting. Uh, it's also interesting that, you know, the Coens wanted them, yet they've never used any of them in anything. Right. Yeah. Whereas, you know, Jeff got in and he's come back with True Grit and, you know, they're, they're buddies now, you know. They, yeah. He's in the canon, the Cohen canon. Yeah. Interesting uh, alternate realities to picture. Do, do you know if he, if they offered it to him or did he like have to go in and read? I don't know if he did have to read because... I know that they had him in mind for years before they made it. Like they were just waiting for him to be available to make it. 
because I mean, obviously, I don't know Jeff Bridges, but everything I've read about him and every interview I've ever listened to his, I, I feel like he is He's this guy. Yeah. 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 Like, Although uh, he's more creative. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's, yeah. Right. Less lazy. He's, yeah, he's right. a working right. movie star. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's not an unemployed actor. He's right. <laughs> I got fun facts on the movie. Yeah. In an early draft of the script, the dude's source of income was revealed to be that he was the heir to the inventor of the Rubik's Cube. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, cut it decided to say never never say what it you know where he got his money it's better ambiguous for sure because yeah. i also think it's better to wonder to what degree he's broke you know like right. you see him write the check for 69 cents you see how he avoids paying rent by supporting yeah the art of his right landlord and that guy's great too what i love i mean what i felt like i paid attention to this time about that scene is that the dude is very diligently watching like he's doing what he said he would do yeah which is great because like there's you know the dude is a good guy but there's you know times you can tell he doesn't care about something or does or whatever and in that case he is you know like he's giving it his all he's he even like yeah. is like telling walter like Shh, i'm you know i gotta pay attention right. so i can give yeah. notes because that's what the guy wants his oh. notes right. <laughs> and he's stoned you know he probably he probably yeah. smoked on his way over there obviously so he's probably like this is fucking amazing like that dude's literally diving onto a mat that is seen oh, on stage like, I, that is unbelievable yeah, and okay, so my fun fact about that scene is that that actor supposedly did three separate three-hour rehearsals for that day <laughs> get to, get, to get it down, to get it right, which, you know, when I thought about it before seeing the scene, I was like, that seems like that actor might just be a strange guy, you know, because it's so silly, but yeah. it's so perfectly silly. And even yeah. that, like, light reveal of the mat when he mm. does that role that is already unimpressive, like it's right. already a stupid looking role. And then you see that he had to do it on a mat, man. Oh man. It's, it's just it's, so good. Yeah. I, that's, what, that's what makes him great. It's like, they're so specific. It's so specific. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, it, like if, if that guy didn't do that, he, you, you probably, we probably wouldn't be talking about him rolling around on a fucking mat, yeah. you know, 30 years I mean, later. It, or it could work. Like it could work in the scene without it. But it's right. so much richer for it. I went to um, Lebowski Fest here in LA a year or two ago, and oh, yeah. it was the first time I'd ever done that. And it was at the Wiltern, and that that guy, that actor, was there, and he uh. does a version of that performance. <laughs> wow! And everyone like was howling, like screaming. You <laughs> were on stage, and it was like it was phenomenal and and outstanding. And, yeah, that's incredible. I, the only other thing I know that actor from is Men in Black Two, mm. which is un- unfortunate because um, <laughs> no one comes out of Men in Black Two unscathed. But um, I'm really excited <laughs> to hear that he gets so much out of what he does in The Big Lebowski because it's so good. Well, uh, he is in he is in my pitch. Yeah, I think it, it's, it's to your point. It's like there's no this this film. I feel like is really the perfect example of like there are no small actors like like every single actor that's given any minute of screen time like you said like took it and like got real serious and like and and it's a richer yeah. film because of all those decisions like the map yeah. that's a decision that he made as an actor 
as a creative yeah. person and it enriches the film exponentially for this tiny slice that yeah. you know otherwise would be like my wife would watch it and be like this what the fuck is happening <laughs> what is this <Yeah>. guy doing <laughs> he's rolling around and we're talking about it like a fucking shakespeare so it's fantastic to be honest who i would say sticks out as maybe not doing that quite as much is jesus the jesus Okay. Uh, oh. And I'm not saying John Turturro does a bad job. I love his intro, the dance, yeah, the 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 finger on the cold air, the the bowling, yeah. the licking, the you know, right. like when they bring that character in, it is they bring him in hard. Um, yeah. I have a the origin story of how that character came to be and everything, but. Like my experience watching it the first time is that I remember like I would be in like the movie theater lobby and they had those big cardboard displays for Lebowski, Big Lebowski. And it was like the way they were set up was, you know, as like character profiles. There was the dude, there was Walter, there was Donnie, there was Maude, there was the stranger, the Sam Elliott character, and there was Jesus. Like he's on all the cover art with yeah. all of the other characters and his part is so small. It, like even in comparison to Philip Seymour Hoffman or Peter Stormare or yeah. the landlord or the other detective, like he's in less of the movie than so many other characters that it's like, it, it was confusing to me yeah. why he was bolstered to such a degree. I'm going to disagree with you. Okay. Um, I did not have that same experience. I will say this. I, I will say if they would have kept his second scene out of it, like when he comes back and he's like, what's this day arrest bullshit? Yeah. Like, that's pretty good i must say yeah not um, bad <laughs> <laughs> like uh I, I could live without that but that yeah. scene when he comes over to them with the gun he's like you pull a you know piece uh, on me get up your ass your ass and goes click yeah. yeah like that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie okay and i i think from just all of those guys together, even from Trav, I know you love this dude. His butt is like buddy. Who's like cleaning the oh, Liam. balls. Or something. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So good. Me and yeah. we're going to yeah. fuck you up, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, and like just all five of them there together. And then what yeah. John Turturro is giving John Goodman. And I think he's, I love him. I, Cause I don't know. I just feel like he, it was kind of like a rocket ship for me. It kind of just took off and he, you know, was this larger than life character. And that's like yeah. the villain for that world. Yeah. Out, yeah. Right? And one connection that I loved that I hadn't really thought about so much before this is that when they show him in that amazing intro sequence, it's a Spanish version of hotel California, which connects to right. the dude saying, I hate the fucking Eagles later yeah. in the movie. Right. Right, he is the embodiment so of everything. I guess my issue, or at least something that strikes me as odd about it, is they do introduce him so well, and to the point that it's like, okay, he's going to be more important than a lot of the characters you're going to meet. And then mm. all you get is that sort of follow-up scene with the "What's this bullshit?" Which is not <laughs> a bad scene. It's just like you don't get to see the finals. I mean, and. I understand the Cohen's reason for not showing us a bowling sequence, but I love it so much. I want to know, I want to know who won, you know, yeah. I want right. to, I, I would watch a film that was just those characters bowling against each other. You know what I mean? Like I, 
I'm there for it. Okay, how the Jesus happened. It was inspired by a performance the Coens saw John Turturro give at a public theater called Miputa Vida, uh, in which he played a pederast type character. And so the quote is, so we thought, let's make Turturro a pederast. It'll be something he can really run with. (laughs) So they were inspired to put him in the movie. John Turturro, because of this, thought that the part would be a lot bigger. And then he read the script, saw it was small. And then they let him bring in his own ideas. He brought the shining the bowling ball and the dance, the dancing after the... So he brought really two of the best moments of the character. <laughs> is he? Is this before or after Barton Fink? I can't remember. After. After. Yeah, so they, they have an established relationship with Don Turturro. Correct. He's their buddy. Right. Uh, you know, um, and, you know, Miller's Crossing and like, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He, you know, he had uh, earned his uh, keep with them. So it was like, I could see expecting a bigger role. But it was kind of just a, a shell of this idea of who, what the Jesus was. And then they kind of threw it to Turturro to figure, to flesh it out. So after that, Turturro remained fixated on the character. He continuously asked the Coen brothers to put him back in something as Jesus. And when they continued to refuse, he asked for their permission to use the character. Mm. And uh, in 2016, it was announced that he was granted. I'll say, can I say something real quick before we get on the Jesus? I I agree with Tony. I think, I think for me, the Jesus is, is one of my favorite, not one of my favorite characters necessarily, but my favorite scene, just because I think, it's a little bit of what I talked about earlier of just like, I think it's a, it's a, it's, it's an example of someone just taking a concept and just like yeah. going to the, the outfit, of, everything. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just like really letting it all on the line. Like that could have felt really flat. <laughs> I believe yeah. that's a real, like bowling alleys are weird fucking places and dudes mm-hmm. like yeah. that exist, you know, even in that second monologue where he's like laughable, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, that is hysterical, and I I love it to death. It's so perfect of the Coens to to utilize that as again yeah. furthering the story of the more important characters um, yeah. through this other sort of wild card. And yeah, yeah. and Liam is fantastic. Yeah, because I think my bigger issue is with him being all over the marketing. I think that yeah. is my because I don't have a problem with anything he does in the movie so yeah. much as. I, it was, it's just one of the most surprising turns of like, why is this guy all over the packaging and everything? But I think it's because of his look. I think it's because he makes that character so unforgettable and how he looks and acts. Um, And I will say one of my unsung heroes that I wrote down, uh, which is not, does not fit the description of what I asked you guys to do. So forgive me, but (laughs) was, is Steve Buscemi's change of expression. Oh yeah. yeah. From turning around and looking at him, the Jesus kisses at him, and then it's the most <laughs> subtle <laughs> but wonderful look of confusion from yeah. like oh and Donnie, I feel like I could talk for the whole episode about Donnie, because in general, when it comes to characters that die and sort of die unceremoniously, yeah. and like especially someone like Donnie, who's like the whole point of Donnie is you He's likable. You want him to oh. have, you want him to get stuff. You want him like, he's so put down yet. Yeah. So supportive and wonderful. Like you, you, like 
every single moment with Donnie is precious. You know, yeah. like everything you learn about him, everything Walter says about him at the eulogy, like <laughs> it makes that character so much more fascinating and important, you know, yeah. that he dies. And I, I, I remember my friend uh, in college, Joe Cass, telling me that he felt like Donnie is a perfect example of like what makes the Coens brilliant versus like what is the norm, the norm, because most uh, readers would tell you to cut Donnie from the script. Like, like this this movie is in defiance of any studio note you can imagine Mm -hmm. why it's phenomenal and why movies like this aren't even made anymore, which is so sad. Yeah. But it's, it, it's a hundred percent like scene after scene, character after character. It's like there'd be red lines, like cut this guy unnecessary circle, blah blah blah. And yeah. I, th- but I think to your point about Donnie is like, and Donnie also has like a weird, which maybe you'll talk about later, Paul. But like yeah. the, the the foreshadowing of his yeah. bowling, uh, too much. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, like yeah. he's throwing strikes and oh, you guys are in the throwing rocks tonight. Get in the water tonight. <laughs> like that. Um, and then when he finally throws that last roll before he dies, and it's yeah. it's a you know it's a spare obviously opportunity, and it's like that in and of, and his reaction to it is almost like he knows something bad is going to happen, yeah. as if that's somehow in his life you know DNA or whatever. But he, um, he lingers on it. He like looks oh, yeah. after it and like can't can't let it go. And you gave me chills, Travis, just talking about that foreshadowing. Like it's it oh, is yeah. upsetting. <laughs> Yeah, well, and I love I love that this. It, it, I remember specifically as an eleven year old. I remember the Donnie of it hurt my feelings, you know, because because yeah. he was the one that I came in because I loved Fargo, so I was like, I love this guy, Steve Buscemi, let's go, <laughs> and you know, and then so then when that happened, like as an eleven year old, I really wasn't able to process, and I was like, oh, like he was so nice, you know, and they're so mean to him, to to yeah. mm. to the unloving eye. Because now when I watch it, what I pick up on and what I relish are the moments of you see their real friendship, despite the right. fact that they do cut him off and they tell him to shut the fuck up. It's yeah. like there's these moments. One thing I wrote down that I hadn't noticed is before is when the dude storms off, Walter mouths something to Donnie. And I couldn't figure out what it was. I tried to look it up. Paul, it's so funny you mentioned that because I've had this debate with one of my good friends, uh, my good friend Dave, and I think what he, we think what he says is like, what a baby or something like right. that, or such a baby. Yeah. Like, speaking about the dude, like, God, he's throwing a tantrum. Like, what a baby. Jesus yeah. Christ. Well, which is hilarious because Walter is the cause of every problem, of course. <laughs> but, but separately, like, I just love it because it shows you and that and other little moments, it shows you that they have their own connection separate from Walter right. and the dude, you know, Donnie isn't just on the team because he's good at bowling, you know, they have a pass and that, and that's why it, it's so impactful when he mentions that he knows he was a surfer yeah. at the eulogy. Oh and, yeah. Yeah. This is a big moment, but it's very sweet at the end when he's yeah. dying and Walter is holding him, you know, yeah. like that is, you can just tell from that, even you know, it's even though it's crazy, like the dialogue's like bizarre, yeah. But it's so lovely, and you can tell that there's love there, which is a testament again just to these characters and these guys, you know. Like, yeah, Steve Buscemi just ran with like that character could have been boring as fuck, 
Yeah. yeah. Really, too. Yeah. Depending on who they cast. He's you know so what I mean? fucking hilarious. He's so good. And he's so good. Like, so. We need that for, dude. made him. God. And I, like every detail about him, they're always drinking beer and he's drinking slice. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like orange right. slice. God, it's so good. Uh, well, and also for the Collins to go from such a hit with Fargo and Steve Buscemi's like essentially yeah. one of your leads to then put yeah. him in a role that is third tier in the scope of yeah. the greater film is like, that's such yeah. a ballsy thing to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's arguable that he doesn't matter. And then the right. other side of it is he matters so much. Right. right. Oh, and it's cool that Steve Buscemi was like, yeah, I'll come do this. You oh know, yeah. Like he could have easily been like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, he gets to be every scene that he's in, he gets to be as involved as anybody else. Like he is as active you know, like he's not moving the plot along, but he's there having his own, okay, I'm catching up, you know, like he's, he's so right. earnest, always trying to understand and be a part of what they're doing. Uh, it's very man. sweet. Yes, it is. It is very um, sweet. It's a great for its own. Very sweet. Like if there was a character note in the script, it would be yeah. genuinely sweet. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that, I have a, Kind of a fun fact that the description in the script of the dude is terminally relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Okay, so before, I mean, I, I don't know where else I'm going to fit this. So I kind of want to do, hopefully, going to be a new segment. It's real quick, uh, yeah. calling it Cars with Credits. Buckle up, buckle in for your favorite new segment. This one right here is called Cars with Credits. The dude's car, the 1973 Ford Torino. Yeah. Uh, they use two cars for the course of the movie, two of the same car. One of them was destroyed during the filming. Makes sense, given everything fire. that it's put through. Oh, and it's uh, set on fire, so I guess yeah. that's where it was destroyed. The other one used for the movie was destroyed in the filming of an X-Files episode called wow. Salvage. So that car has its own IMDb. Wow. That's um, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and not more, too shabby. Not got too- more credits than I do, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah. Now let's talk a little bit about the Jesus rolls. Twenty-one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Uh, budget of four point five million. Box office return sixty-four thousand six hundred forty-eight dollars. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Did this move, when did this when did this come out? Did this come out before the pandemic, or did it come out like right when it started? It, it came out in 2020, so okay. it was announced in 2017. Yeah, as coming soon, and it changed uh, titles a few times. It was supposed to be called "A Hundred Minutes with Jesus." Uh, <laughs> then I like that. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Well, the funny thing is, it's less than a hundred minutes. Sign of yeah, a bad movie. Like 94, right? Yeah. yeah. It's not even 90. It's like a, an hour 25. But then it was going to be called Going Places, which is the title of the French movie it's remade from. And then ultimately they settled on the Jesus rolls. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's hard to know where to start. Uh, I guess maybe just with our feelings. <laughs> I think this thing... <laughs> this yeah. thing it's a it's perfect film. Film. It's thing this it's fucking thing. thing is A, incoherent 
Absolutely. Word I could up for it is it's completely incomprehensible. And the second thing is like uh, it's frustrating because it uh, it I don't even want it anything to do with the Big Lebowski. I don't want it anywhere near it within ear. <laughs> nothing. Like, I wrote all these notes as I was going. I was like, I got to stop making notes because they're all just yeah. like what the fuck. That's the note. <laughs> Minute twenty five. What the yeah, fuck what again? The fuck? Yeah, yeah, right. I don't know. I uh, I I would have to agree with you, Travis. I, I mean, <laughs> listen, it's interesting because there's so many good actors in this in this. It's thing. just as stacked. It's just actors. stacked. Yeah. Bobby Cannavale, my boy, John Hamm, John Hamm, Johnny Hamm, Brandon, yeah. like Christopher Walken, Christopher Walken, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I I found myself watching it and being like. Yeah, and I will be honest with you. Sometimes I was checking my phone because I wasn't that riveted, uh, and then I would look up, You're and they would be they would be somewhere else and doing something else. And I'm like, what? What the fuck did I miss? I I, I rewound like 15 minutes of it, and then I was once I got back to where I had missed. I was like, well, I guess I didn't even have to do that because I, I still have no idea what the fuck is going on. Like Paul, your two minutes synopsis was more. And now I kind of understand. Yeah. Okay. It. Yeah. It, it was um, just very, very, uh, and you know, I honestly, I think it just, it had been too long since yeah. the movie. Since yeah. the Big Lebowski. I mean, I mean, when the Big Lebowski come out, how, how many years? It's ago been was that? 22 years. Yeah. I mean, it was just too long. It was just, it was just very, very long. And let's preface this by, I think we would all agree that we love John Turturro. Oh yeah. Sure. A phenomenal talent, a phenomenal actor. It. I don't. I don't understand. I don't know if this was like, you know, studio note bonanza, and it just on the cutting room floor ended up like, well, I guess we'll do this and cut that, and hopefully make fucking something. But holy shit, this thing. My theory, and I have you know, I haven't seen 1974's Going Places, the inspiration for this film. Based on something, I'm totally clueless in that respect. So it's a novel that was made by a French director into a movie in 1974. Okay. Um, it is famous for being a very controversial movie because of its sort of um, lack of moral compass. My read on the movie was less that it was cut up by studio notes and more that it was as close as you could get to a shot-for-shot remake of a French uh, sexcapade movie from the 70s. But I don't know, without real film or the look of it being in the 70s or it being in French, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, And as far as I know, the only difference in any of the story is that the end where you they steal the car from the people with the boat, the way yeah. the original ends is they take one of those daughters with them. Oh. And deflower her. Wow. And then God. leave her at the side of the road and then drive off. What the now, fuck? thank God they didn't do that in this. Yeah. That would have been very French. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I mean, the whole movie is writing that a similar line, you know, yeah. to that type of thing. And the way that they end it, just because I didn't get to it in the minute, is that early in the movie, they steal John Hamm's car. He shoots Bobby Cannavale in the leg. It hurts his balls. Um, yeah, Bobby Bobby's leg slash ball bag. 
then they made it but later, which was interesting. Yep. But Bobby Cannavale wants revenge, so they saw his car to like they're going to leave the car for him to find again and then make it so that one day the wheel will just break off of the car the axle yeah so then at the end they steal a car it is this turns out to be that same car repainted and it falls apart in the middle of a tunnel nothing happens to them they survive the crash fine and then they hitchhike at the side of the road that was actually my favorite shot of the movie the final shot. flips and, and they're, they're showing oh. the, the yeah. lights. That was and my favorite shot of, of, of the film. Reminiscent in a way to the bowling ball shot in Big Lebowski. Yeah. Is yeah. it's a perspective shot. Yeah. Right. I will say the, I didn't even notice that the car had a different paint job, Paul. To me, the car looked, <laughs> <laughs> as soon as they got in the car, I was like, oh, that's the car. And I made a note that said, they didn't realize that was the car. <laughs> He does say something after the crash. Like I remember it being orange. Yeah. Well, doesn't and he I also think- say the same line in the beginning of the movie before they fil- before yeah, they steal the orange car? He's like, "My dad yeah. drove a car like this." And then when he steals yeah. the car at the end, he also says, "My dad drove a car like this." I believe that's not necessarily a problem for me. I do have a problem with the fact that they survived the crash because, like. I mean, I don't need them to die. That doesn't necessarily give it the ending that makes it. Yeah, but like, it it's a it, in a certain sense that's like a cathartic choice to make, and then for right. it to just be like, oh, it's that car they crash it, and then and then they go yeah. on adventure continues. It's just, I mean, like it nothing about it. Like I was like, well, then what was the point? Especially is now knowing that that was the that was the changed ending they decided on. Well, they let they, the fact, they let the open for another another sequel. So yeah. <laughs> right, because everybody's gonna want that. This film, if you want to call it that, it <laughs> lacks severely yeah. that that sense of close. Like the whole film, they've been doing these detestable things. That like, how did you not get caught for all these different things, and yet you still got away? Like you didn't even die. You didn't yeah. go to jail. Like there's no consequence. None of them. Even if one of them had died. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. one of them yeah. flew out and something happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Another thing they're lacking is any other perspective besides their own. Yeah, it's just a mess of having to be with these people who I guess you're supposed to like, right. like because you be with. Yeah, I mean, I guess which one of the biggest problems I have is that the one scene that doesn't feel like a 1970s French film that's just not even just not only shot for shot potentially, but specifically line for line. Yeah. Because the way that all of these amazing actors are saying lines is like, these lines don't translate. I could right. see if I was reading this in a subtitle being like, yeah. okay, I accept that. But they, they don't feel like real people or characters or anything. No. But the one scene that doesn't feel like the rest of that is the very beginning in which what the, he does is immediately erase everything we know about the Jesus. I mean, we know he bowls, so that's in there. Yeah. Could he use a little yeah. more of that? Because, yeah, 100%. He doesn't like, like 45 yeah. minutes into the movie. And that yeah. was the best scene in the movie. Yeah, yeah it was. It was. The the with the blowing eye with the, yeah. Scratch. Yeah. Bobby Cannavale got to be charming. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying he was. I, I can't discredit the actors, except for maybe John Turturro, because he wrote, directed, and starred in it. And it just seemed like, what are you doing? 
Like, yeah. like him, the biggest, I'm not saying I would have liked the movie anyway, but the biggest mistake in terms of making this movie, this movie was him being the Jesus. It's like, play a different character doing this. This ha- Why does this have to have anything to right. do with Big Lebowski? And yeah. the first thing they do is they say he's not a pederast, which annoyed the hell out of me. I understand that they're trying to get you on board a little bit more, but it's essentially yeah. being like, hey, Coen brothers, can I have this character? And then yeah. they immediately go, well, I didn't like the way you wrote the character. Right. Here's the new character. He's the guy with the big dick that's irresistible. Yeah. You know, Here's the context. Maybe the prison system worked and he was reformed. The closest I could come to seeing this movie's point was an indictment of the prison system. Because what mm-hmm. is consistent right. is he's not reformed. Right. Petey's not reformed. Exactly. He's reformed, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Susan Sarandon, Pete Davidson, none of them are reformed. So yeah, it's right. like... For me, too, even yeah. just right off the bat, like I felt like... I felt like the voice that John Turturro was doing was also off in the beginning. Like there's certain moments where you're like, Oh, that sounds like Jesus. But then I would say like 80% of the dialogue that he recites sounds nothing like that character. And like, that's what I'm saying. Like there was 22 years ago that he did this. Right. I mean, like I I can't imagine that he's keeping his Jesus voice. Yeah. And polished. His voice has matured and grown. Right. Right. And changed. Right. He's older, but still like, you would think he'd watch it back and try to get into more of the rhythm yeah. of, of yeah. he's, you know, like the only thing that kept it yeah. current is when he's like, whoa, like does those like anything yeah. <laughs> that makes it seem like the character. Otherwise it's like, well, and even if he had kept the voice exactly right. Yeah. That he, the character is so huge. Yeah, I mean, right. how could you possibly expect that character to translate to this story? I just don't understand the choice of making it, or even the obsession with holding on to the Jesus. If you want to make this movie, the remake of this movie, go ahead. You know what I mean? Probably wouldn't be a big hit, but it's gonna. It's it's even worse for it. The fact that he's trying to connect it to the other Agreed. movie. Agreed. I was will say one of my least favorite things was yeah. he said in there a couple times. Uh, he referenced from the Big Lebowski sticking a gun up with someone's ass yeah. and pulling the trigger, and like that. To me, like that's not something you say in normal conversation. Yeah, I feel like that right. would be that's that comes from that him just like in the moment talking to these guys at the bowling alley. Like I can't imagine that you would go through life and he's, anytime someone pulls a gun right. on you or you have a gun and you're sticking up their fucking ass. Well, and also the fact that because I feel like from the beginning this character just can't stay out of trouble. <laughs> Jesus is back, baby, and look out, he's stealing the car. Where it's like. How was he ever a functional enough person to bowl yeah. in a league? Like, right. Because you're never away from him, so it's not like there's any downtime for him to be doing, you know, Bowling. normal stuff. Yeah. And I never got the sense from him as a character in the Big Lebowski that he was like some petty criminal in and out of jail. Right. I I, I never thought like he was a pederast, he went to jail for that. Yeah. Yes. But I never like when I started like I'm like, this guy's what, he's just a criminal who just Exactly. Robs everybody. And one thing he's not is a pederast. Yeah, which is like just make it a different movie. Yeah, right. Either make it a French film or make it a true Lebowski sequel and stay true to that world. But right. you didn't do either one. You just you were like, well, fuck it. Let's see what happens here. I mean, I will say I don't know what I would want from a sequel centered on the Jesus, right. except for him to bowl. Right, right. Against 
well, specifically against the dude in Walter, if I could have it. But if I can't, still bolt. Still, oh, that's yeah. the premise, please. It needs to be like a, 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 a kingpin level film. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. what it needs to be it, with the Jesus. Is like he, he's like Big Earn's rival yeah. or something. Like that's the world we need to go with this. And I don't want to. I don't want to beat up on just John Turturro, but his other. I mean, he has others, but like his other, I would say, big writer director credit is a movie called Fading Gigolo, with him and Woody yeah. Allen. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. And uh, in that, he's like an aging Don Juan. Yeah, you know, making money off of the ladies, and it's sort of like. Apparently, John how- Turturro slaying a lot of the ladies. Yeah, oh, yeah, baby. And- why does he need all of us to know? Like, I mean, that's like that's what I read from both of those choices. What did like, you, babe? Come on, the world must know, Polly. Come on. But if you're an <laughs> if you're My an boy. actor, writer, director, like, come up with a different come premise. On. Like, I don't know. I think it's embarrassing when somebody who's <laughs> behind the camera and in front of the camera is going, "Guess who my character is." The ladies' man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you've got a huge cock. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just also, to remind okay. you, I don't so like now, children. Just going back. Yeah. I, yeah. Starting with the incoherence you mentioned earlier, Travis, the most incoherent shot, and I'm certain that this was taken like directly from the 1970s movie. They're riding bicycles away from farmers. Oh, God. They yeah. stole the bicycles. Then it cuts to the Jesus cutting open mm-hmm. the convertible top. Yeah. Of a of a Volkswagen thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And and then once he opens it, he sees that Bobby Cannavale, who was behind him on the bike, way behind him, is inside and says it was open. And that's (laughs) supposed to be a funny beat of like, oh, he worked so hard to get that top open, which he didn't even he didn't even do that. Right. So like that was the shot that I was like, okay, like if this isn't just lifted from the other movie, I don't understand yeah. what this and there's no is. I also, why there's no establishing that there's a car that they're looking for. There's no <laughs> that, that you yeah. can't get into it. You just all of a sudden go from this bike pan shot to this like forced perspective cutting through the roof. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? Where, who am I right now as a camera? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And not to mention, this car looks like it's been sitting there for quite some time. Yeah, like it's just gonna. Stop. We'll take a gas, baby. Yeah, they're good. <laughs> they're good. It doesn't matter. They don't even make the thing anymore. I no, mean, that has. I know. Yeah. 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 Well, and uh, another thing I will mention is like I, I, I adore Bobby Cannavale, but oh, man, oh man, I sick of him doing fucking roles that are so terrible. He's in so many bad things, and I don't understand how that's even possible. He's he's a phenomenal actor, and he's in things where you're it's just like, you're like yeah. what the fuck happened here? But yeah, I just you don't say well, no to this too. It's yeah. like they're all working with their friend. It has to. Be. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, why would Susan Sarandon do this, or you know, why would uh, Christopher Walken do it? I feel like it's all part of a choice. Walken. Huge. I was in for two, two seconds yeah. and then it's yeah. over. And, yeah. and John Hamm. And which, the movie should have started with Turturro bowling in prison. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Being on the that was what I was most interested in. was one of the lovely. points I was most interested in was something yeah. that happened off screen beforehand. Oh, yeah. The John Hamm thing is such a throwaway. Like, it's like 
So what did two million dollars of this budget go to paying John Ham? Because yeah. that it, it's well, incoherent. That that whole scene is like, okay, so you're like a you're like a yeah. this flamboyant heterosexual hairdresser who's yeah. angry and pissed off. Like what? Right. What the fuck? Well, and what? One the of his lines of him is literally, yeah, I mean, I thought that was a funny detail thrown in the garbage by being in this movie. It's so frustrating when somebody so talented and so good is, is pigeonholed in this ridiculous context with nothing to do. Yeah. In that yeah. insane scene with him. Yes. <laughs> one of his lines is, I'm a hairdresser. That's my name there on the building <laughs> where it's like, okay, literally that's everything we already know. Like, yep. I, why would you say that? I felt uh, it was hard for me to know if, if that was a lost translation line or an improv that they were just like, yeah, man, we leave all the improvs in, do whatever you want. It. Yeah. It was, uh, it's like, Oh, you're a hairdresser that also will just murder someone. Yeah. If you don't like, like that's the consequence. And does she work for him? She does work for him. And and then also just happens to know Jesus. And I I do know that another difference between this and the original is that in the original, they kidnap her. Kidnap her. I read that. Yeah. Okay. Now, I'm just my question. At first, I I thought she was a prostitute. Mm -hmm. Same. (laughs) The way he's treating her and talking to her and stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I was like, oh, he, she works with him. Mm-hmm. But it was it was still. Which I guess all, we really uh, learn when she cuts JB Smooth's hair. Oh my god. Which what another was waste. Else she was gonna cut her hand. I thought she was gonna cut her hands with that, yeah. that whole fucking thing. I was well, so, so also, I was very nervous. The joke of that scene I if there was a joke was completely lost because his whole thing was like Look, she got distracted and she cut all my hair off. And then they go, I think it looks I totally good. missed that. And then he goes, "Oh yeah, I'm sexy. It looks good." Yeah. Did you not? So which character are you? Right. You know what I mean? Like, what's your? Did you just not people? look in a mirror before you got yeah. upset? Uh, exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. I know you work in a junkyard, but yeah. come on, baby. I, and not even a mirror. It was a rearview mirror on a on a fucking car. Which right. Is- One actor that I thought at least did the absolute most with what he had was Pete Davidson as Susan Sarandon's son who like it right. was a legitimate surprise to me when he killed that guy. Yeah. And, and, the, and that was the one turn in the movie that I was like, Oh, this is a little bit like inspired. Cause that's kind of cool. Like he's the guy that can make Audrey Teto come, but they right. can't keep him because he's dangerous, you know? Right. Right. Um, and he was, you know, he was, he, he was menacing. He, yeah. I read as a sociopath. did well for what sure. she, she had. She's, I mean, she's always, yeah. uh, again, yeah. all, always great. Oh, but that, that also confused me. Like then she goes and kills herself right after yeah, they have this. Devil's well, and, yeah. and then they, then, seen the beach and, you know, like, I mean, love and life, you know, yeah, again, right. I also didn't understand who Susan Sarandon was in the context of this film. She was a like literally a like, lady they watched walk out of prison and follow. Now I have a, I have another question. Yeah. Did, they, did they go to that prison to get a woman yes. that Bobby Cannavale could spend the night? That with? was the did he knows someone. No, the, the, there, the setup he, was, was Jen Turturro said we're going to go to a place with three hundred women who okay. are just ready to do it. Someone ready to bang. Yeah, when they come out. Yeah, and then she was. I guess the first the person one. I saw. Right. <laughs> uh, Good timing. Yeah. How do you end up in New York? You know what I mean? Like, 
he like how did Jesus end up in a New York State penitentiary? Why was like Spacing, why right? Yeah, that's that my, one of my biggest questions, Tony. Is I, I was like, where does this take place? Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Last I knew, he was like a Southern California, you know, yeah. like, criminal, and somehow now he's in like these farmlands of the East Coast somewhere, rural New York or Connecticut or whatever the fuck it was. And I was like, where are we? Yeah. How did we right. get here? Yeah. Why are we here? Yeah. Why do we stay here? Yeah. Like, Because everything looked like French countryside. It would make more sense right. to me if they were in a different country. All yeah. of the movie right. would make more writing sense. Writing the movie like, so French. Yeah. Uh, so the one fun fact I have about this movie is even though uh, the Jesus is the only character the Coen brothers gave John Turturro permission to use, there is a little bit of a tease. In There's an article framed in the warden's office with the headline millionaire Jeffrey Lebowski sponsored the sing sing black sheep's bowling team. Uh, really? Yeah. So there's a little tease a little Easter egg in that way. But again, having Which pointed Lebowski? out the location, well, the millionaire Lebowski. So the big Lebowski. Okay. Yeah. Big Lebowski. yeah. But maybe dead by now and in <laughs> California. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess we don't even know when this takes place. They don't, I mean, that's true. Man, they don't. Well, and also they, they address the pederast thing with a flashback of him peeing in a urinal, talking to a kid and being innocent. And then the dad comes out and I guess calls the cops and that gets him arrested right then and there. But that was supposed to have happened at least 22 years ago. Right. In California. Yeah. Well, and to your point earlier, Paul, like, he's only a pederast because he has a huge dog. Right. 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 Well, he's only a pederast because this kid was like, That's Whoa. big. Yeah. Holy shit. And then the dad's like, oh, this has got to be inappropriate because why would my son be so enthralled? Why would a fa- <laughs> right. Even if a father thought that, why would you do anything except grab the kid and get out? Like, Yeah, be like, all right. Well, yeah. you know, he's doing better than dad. Unless the and- guy, like, follows you or something. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> let's give ourselves a break. I real quick wanted to mention a couple other sequels that exist to The Big Lebowski. A, f- a fun one. When John Goodman was inducted into the Hollywood Walk of Fame, Jeff Bridges donned the dude's cardigan sweater and delivered his uh, like uh, intro speech as the dude. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So you can find that on YouTube. You know, the dude lives a little bit there. Uh, so there is a Lebowski bar in Reykjavik, Iceland, uh, that offers multiple variations of the White Russian, a menu options named for the characters, and uh, the interior is bowling-themed and adorned with the rug, you know, all over the place. So oh. this place exists just as a tribute to the film. Nice. Uh, so, What's the name? Do you know the, na- do you know the name of the bar? Uh, Lebowski Bar. Should be the dude abides. Yeah, imbibes. The dude imbibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's a good, good one. Lebowski bar. Come on, yeah. baby. <laughs> I mean, maybe in Iceland that's more clever somehow. Yeah, true. <laughs> true. And then finally, and I assume I, you guys got to know about this: the Stella Artois commercial starring oh, yeah. dude. Sure. This is something that I brought up uh, in the last episode I recorded. So this is a trend now of. Super, usually Super Bowl commercials, but commercials being sequels to old movies. 
Well, and I don't think it was a great representation. No. The dudes in it, you know, like being like, still our toast. So he, yeah, that, come on. If anything, that's more like true grit, Jeff yeah. Bridges. Right. Yeah, it's right. not the dude. I do appreciate the concept of his drinks to white Russian, but he's getting a beer. Her, uh, Carrie from Sex yeah. in the City, her drink is say, the wasn't there Cosmo, there? Right. but she's like, I like the concept of, okay, these famous characters, famous drinks, they're getting Stella instead. That's fine. Right. But yeah. I remember the commercial also had a run of people like the wait staff falling and causing a domino effect. And then a fire bursts out. Like it had too much going on. It was, yeah. it was a big mess. And I got to give you a hot take here. Yeah. You ready for mm. it? Stella's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it stands though. Oh, I hate it. I don't, I mean, I hear you. I don't think the dude's taste in beer is, um, you know, top tier. Great. Yeah. I'm just saying. His oat sodas. I, I, I yeah. Yes, I understand that. <laughs> but Stella Artois, like, people think that's a great fucking beer. No. No. Get off it. <laughs> Please. That is the only beer I can think of with a snobby uh, commercial yes. representation yeah. where they're doing the little knife across the foam yes. and the, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So rolling towards the pitches, finally. Yeah. We start with the questions. Should this movie, The Big Lebowski, have a sequel? I will say no, mm-hmm. uh, simply because I th- because of what we talked about earlier. I think it's an absolutely perfect film, and I think that adding or trying to do anything to it is is just it's too dangerous to to disrupt the perfection of the original. So I th- I, I would say no, mm-hmm. and. I will say that I don't think that really, when you look at the film, like no one really changes in this movie. No, no one really develops or has some epiphany or whatever, which, yeah, you know, you can't really do much with. There's not a lot to, to take into a new direction as a sequel. If no one really, if everyone stays exactly the same. Right. So. I, I, I have to also say no. Um, you know, this movie, as we've, mentioned several times is very very special and i think there's something to be said about i I don't know i think it's magical right and and i honestly don't i don't think you could capture that same magic just like with any sequel really i I don't think you really capture yeah that thing right yeah and i I don't think they could i don't think they could do that again it's an interesting point you bring up tony because i agree i think that what i've come to learn or maybe I already knew it, but let's put a finer point on it. Doing all these uh, podcasts is that like the best thing a sequel can do is something new without tarnishing what's already been done. Because like one, if you don't do something, if you just repeat it, it's a wash. If you get too far away from it, you you feel abandoned as an audience member. So it's like, it's hard to put, a point on what works so well about like a Terminator two versus a Terminator one, where it's like, you know, where you get into the Terminator twos, the aliens, yeah. the dark yeah. night, all these things where some character has learned something, changed something, evolved in some way. And there's, mm-hmm. and they're somehow different in the sequel. So whether it's a role reversal, that to me is, is what makes a compelling sequel where you're like, okay, well, yeah, like this, this uh, you know, like Terminator is a perfect example. You know, yeah. like Sarah Connor yeah. is the victim in the first one, and and yeah. you know Arnold's the, the bad guy in T two. 
they flip the script and she's this hardened criminal who's who's you know has this badass you know sense of vengeance and he's there to help and and help them survive yeah. or whatever it is. And that specific example is interesting because they did it once very successfully. Yeah. And then they tried it five more times. It's like, <laughs> oh, no, no, you can't just keep flipping the script. Like, there's only so many. Um, okay, so then my answer to the should it have a sequel question is, of course, truthfully, honestly, I have to say no. Um, especially because I've said no so many other times just for the sake of, like, this is a perfect piece of art. Yeah. You know, mm. let it be so. And the Coen brothers say absolutely not, and they're geniuses, and they made this, so... Please leave it alone. However, this one was a, a tougher answer to come to for me just because, as we've discussed, they go so deep in with these characters. And like you said, they don't change. Yeah. But I, what I would say is unique about this movie versus so many other movies is how well you know these characters, which is why it's a movie you can watch a million times, find something right. new, and right. just you know slurp it up. so happily and i feel like because i've seen it so many times i desperately want to be back in that world you know i want the dude and walter around me yeah um you know not in real life it would be hard to have walter (laughs) but like (laughs) we'll just we'll just settle for stella artois commercials yeah <laughs> 50 years <laughs> i'll take it over the jesus rolls yeah. <laughs> yeah okay so then the next question if you're gonna do it yeah sequel or prequel what's the sweet spot i i struggled with this mm. because i and i ended up going sequel but i think a prequel. interesting because you asked about prequels so i was expecting prequel. i did okay i did yeah but i couldn't just flush it out of them but i think an yeah. interesting prequel walter Right yeah. after Vietnam. Ooh. Right? And he comes back to LA. Maybe he's bowling in Vietnam. Right? And that's where he finds his love bowling. And just <laughs> him getting to the point where he meets the dude. The first thing that sprung up that I thought I would be interested in is Walter and his wife, Cynthia. Right. right. Because that's such a thing. Yeah. So that would be a fun thing to explore. There's so much to mine there. I'm, uh, oh, yeah. Him as a husband. You know, the new, because she got a new husband, right? Or new. Yeah, right. Well, and I want to know, you know who the, the casting is on that guy. Right. Like, who's the guy that stole her away? It's interesting because it's like, I, I, I deal with this in my pitch a little bit, but it's like, when you consider what Walter has, I guess you know because of the van that he has a security business. <laughs> right. Uh, but. Or used to. Yeah. Like outside of that, for no, being a yeah, because it's a pretty decrepit, yeah, thing. Right. right, yeah. But he's such a. It's hard to say because it's like I want to say he's a confident character because he's so ready to blow up at anyone for challenging him on anything. But I think that really means more of a lack of confidence. You know, I mean, right. I was gonna say I feel like he's very yeah insecure. Yes, he's lost his wife already. Yeah, we know that you know, um, and he's obsessed with her. So it's like, it it is an interesting dichotomy of this character who is ready to destroy anyone or anything that gets in his way. But it's like, it's clearly all coming from a place of being sad and like, yeah. And I think it's him bringing up Vietnam constantly. Yeah. Yeah. He's showing you his worth, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, and it's a question of like throughout the movie, you could be like, well, how, why does the dude hang out with him? He fucks up everything in such a huge way, but you get it. Cause they're, it, it's like what he says about Donnie. He's one of us, yeah, you know, right. they're, they're oh, on a wavelength. What if we did the big Lebowski? I don't know if it's shot for shot, but it's all from Donnie's perspective. So like the beginning of oh. each scene will be like the end of a scene when he was in a bowling alley. So the, you know, the, the story goes to follow the dude. Yeah, his Walter, full story. But we follow yeah. him. When he yeah. leaves the bowling alley, what is he doing? It's interesting. I had a, a similar thought with the stranger, the Sam Elliott character. Yes. Because you know he's based on what he says, I know the reason he was put into the movie was to be the narration that you would find in a noir because you're not going to yeah. get a narration from the dude. Right. But you know, he's in LA and you know that he wants to watch the bowling. He right. never missed the semis. So I do. I want to know what the fuck else that guy's doing. What he's doing. Yeah. He's drinking sarsaparilla. My question is, is like what, what the stranger's role, like what, what is it? Is he a right. real, is that a real guy? You know, obviously he's real because he interacts with the dude and we know that that's a concrete interaction. However, like there's something yeah. ethereal about his existence that is, yes. Yes. and he's a, he's a narrator. So he's obviously he's, omnipresent in a certain way that is also his reality. Right. He talks to the camera, right, right. but he also interacts with the bartender, which right. is like, right. Because I know a popular theory is also, is Donnie a figment of Walter's imagination? We know he's not as true fans because there's multiple interactions with the dude. With the dude. Where you yeah. going, dude? Home, We're Donnie. Talking. Yeah. Phone's yeah. ringing, dude. I know Donnie. <laughs> Thank you, Donnie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he says, my rug do him a couple times. Like, it's like, yeah, this is that this is that kind of movie. And there aren't any other movies like this where you know exactly if you love it. You've watched yeah. it enough times to know every single line that the dude says to Donnie because that's how right. important that is. Right. I think there's something to the dynamics of everybody in this film is yeah. are people that would never normally interact with one mm-hmm. another. You couldn't pick two more opposing forces. This, this right. back, hippie, peace-loving, you know, Seattle 7 dude with yeah. a Vietnam veteran who right. did exactly the thing that you were protesting again. Like, yeah. in what world are they this, like, this... They're best friends. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I think that's that's part of the the brilliance of it in in, in all those things. And, and the fact that, like, you know, you have the big Lebowski with Bunny, who's clearly, there's no world in which they exist in a coherent way. You yeah. know what I mean? You have Maude and Lebowski... Yeah those two worlds collide. Yeah. You know, there's all these scenarios where like every single thing is like, Oh, there's this person from this world and this person from this world. Like how is ever a thing? And somehow they make it work, which is again, yeah, you should never have a sequel because it's, there's no way you're going to capture lightning in a bottle that well, that long again. And it seems crucial to Walter that he be accepted. By the dude, despite having completely opposite reactions to things. Yeah, it's well, just his reaction, his reaction alone, the line of like, doesn't anyone give a shit about the rules? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) the most 
indicative. Like I feel that on a visceral human level. Cause yeah. I'm like, dude, that's like, I've been playing by the rules my whole yeah. life. And right. all the fucking people keep getting ahead, not playing by the rules. And it's yeah. infuriating. So I completely understand how someone is going to get to a point. But that's got nothing to do with Vietnam. That's got nothing to do with him being a vet. That's him being a person that is like, I'm doing the best that I can. And people keep fucking me over. And I am livid as a result of that. You know what I mean? Which I think is fantastic. Human, you know, you know, study. Human nature. Yeah. Yeah. He pulls the gun at the game. Yeah. No, he's 20 minutes late. So he's pulling his first frame. Okay. So how, how, how long does a game of bowling take? You guys are on a bowling league. You know this. I mean. Average game. I would say an hour. An hour. Fine. I mean, and that's, that's bowling at a decent pace. These guys chit-chat. They oh, yeah. sit around. They yell at each other. They take lots of breaks. So – he pulls out the gun. The dude says, put the piece away. They're calling the cops. Yeah. Then in theory, they have an entire bowling game and then they get in the car and the cops show up. Right. So that's the right. only, <laughs> only thing I could find that was like, what's up with these cops? But I get what know. it's Los Angeles, you know, again, maybe showing yeah. the fact that you know, like cops, man, they don't do a, if it's they, a they have better things to do. Was anybody shot? Oh, well, we can... No, we'll be there in an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. Let them finish their frame. Does anybody want to go first with their um, pitch? I, I can go first. Okay. I can go first. Are you ready to be fucked, man? Jeff Lebowski is just trying to bowl, man. And that seems, all, that seems to be all he's doing until his 16-year-old daughter shows up at his doorstep, asking him to self-solve the murder of her late mother, Maud. Police have, the, police have closed the case without any leads. But Minnie Lebowski, she has an idea of who she thinks it might be. And she enlists the dude and his longtime companion, Walter Subcheck, John Goodman. (laughs) 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 Oh, um, thank you for the clarification. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I had to, I I looked at old DVDs and they all say the actor's name. I I appreciate it. I was going to say when you started, I was like, DVD cover. There it is. I know. Yeah. Uh, uh, John Goodman to suss out the killer, as long as it's not on Shomer Shabbos, of course. Nice. Oh, do you have a title? I don't, I don't have a title, but I've got some taglines. Hit it. The dude rolls on. Mm. That's a good title. Yeah. Not, yeah. That is a good title. Okay, tagline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go, baby. <laughs> and you know what's interesting is I, I when I wrote the name Mini Lebowski, I never even thought. I like that. Big Lebowski, Little Lebowski. I was just thinking like Maude, Mini. Like interesting. That was, that was it. Because I, I, I think it, I think like it would just be interesting to see him as a father. And I feel like she's like showing up to the bowling yeah. alley. He not, wants nothing to do with her, you know? Like that's the first half of the movie and then they get into some weird shit. I would see the fuck out of that movie. Day one, minute one, I'd be there. Be fun, um, right? What I, because I definitely, I'll just, I'll, if you don't mind, Travis, you yeah. might bring us out. Go, no. I'll go next. Because when it came to the issue of the, the little Lebowski that the stranger refers to, mm. I feel like you gotta, it's there. 
it's hard to avoid. Yeah. However, like what normally is the arc of something like that is like, oh, he's a father that doesn't care. He'll care by the end of the movie. And that's right. a tough thing to say. I want to see the dude do. It's not like he's a good guy. Yeah. Right. I do expect him to be decent about it. But at the same time, it's like he's not going to pursue it. So I like that she comes to him. There's all, there's got to be money involved. I feel like. Yes. She, yes. She's probably loaded. I'm sure. Um, when it could be a scenario where it's like less about them connecting and more about her realizing how little she can count on him for anything or, right. you know, or something like that. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to break up these pitches with fun facts. Okay. Perfect. And I'll keep them, keep them quick. So initially Alan Klein wanted $150,000 for the use of dead flowers by the Rolling Stones. I don't know who mm-hmm. Alan Klein is. This is a person who wanted $150,000. But <laughs> I wonder why he did yeah. it. Nobody knows him. But he so adored the scene where the dude talks about hating the Eagles that he waived the licensing fee. Awesome. Connected to that, one of the Eagles, Glenn Frey, was so dismayed about <laughs> the dude's comment that he angrily confronted Jeff Bridges at a party. Oh. <laughs> he seemed, and he then, seemed like an angry guy if you watch that yeah. five hour documentary on the Eagles on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. He gone. I you do know, it's like if California. I fucking hate that stuff. Oh yeah. That's, no, no, yeah. no, no, no. You gotta take it to the limit, baby. <laughs> take it to the, the limit. The Spanish cover. The Hispanic whatever that yeah. cover is. I think that's fantastic. Oh, did you notice this? Not not to go back to the Jesus rolls, but real mm-hmm. quick, uh the end song was my way. By Frank Sinatra, yeah, in a Spanish cover, yeah. Which, if I cared about the movie, very good, very good. Maybe movie. I would have liked it because, like, I, I like the uh, concept. It is their way; they're doing their thing their way. Yeah. Okay, Paul, give us your give us your pitch, baby. Smoking, my friend. You're entering a world of pain. Mine takes place. It's yeah. mine's modern, but given that. The first one came out in ni- 98 and took place in 90. Mine mm. takes place in April 2013. Mm. So the historical backdrop is the Boston Marathon bombing. Oh, boy. Oh. I mean, not that that factors in. It's just oh. much like the uh, Saddam of it all. Yes. Yes. It's in yes. the background. So we see, we start, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you right now, this is a Walter story. You're going to get scenes of just the dude alone sans mm-hmm. Walter, but you're also going to get Walter sans dude. Mm. We see some of Walter's home life. It's a tribute to his regrets and the lack of respect he gets. You feel sorry for him. Is he uh, or is he- n- oh, no, what? no, he's alone. All right. He's not living on you our know. couch. He's hard to love. You know, I'm yeah. sorry. I mean, he might still be doing stuff for her. Sure. You know, and maybe we That's see some of that. Yeah. Um, we also see the state of the bowling team in league play. Their third member is bringing the whole team down. Oh. It's Marty, the dude's landlord. Oh, <laughs> uh, Keeping him on the team is the dude's new way of not paying rent. Like, he's technically nice to him, but it's right. driving Walter bananas. Know, Paul. That's solid. When Donnie's bastard son, <laughs> Theodore Jr., or TJ played. Yes. Played (laughs) by, although he has a different last name and and you'll, well, we'll get to why, but he's played by Bill Skarsgård. 
So Ooh, Pennywise, great casting. From, yeah. great casting, great yeah. casting. He comes to LA looking to learn about his late father's legacy. Okay. Walter becomes overly eager to bring him into the fold, especially once he has displayed that he shares his father's bowling aptitude. He's throwing stones. He's throwing rocks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, baby. The dude is a little more skeptical, noticing that TJ's tendencies seem a little more violent and vengeful than that of his old man. Yeah. In short, he seems damaged. Uh, Walter and the dude take TJ on a tour to Donnie, but when the young man seems disappointed by what he's shown, Walter takes it upon himself to start lying about who Donnie was and bolstering his reputation to be a big player about town who was uh, respected and even feared by everyone. Wow. As a result, the dude and Walter become unwitting accomplices to TJ's tour of revenge against those he deems to be his father's enemies. And Walter ultimately goes on the run with him when he is seen by an eyewitness. I start where I started. This was like, I didn't want to go to noir. I thought right. revenge flick maybe framed as sort of like spaghetti Western almost. Cause we know yeah. Walter loves branded. Yeah. Right. Thus begins a raucous journey to save TJ's soul from Walter's perspective keep everyone out of jail, and if luck is on their side, maybe finally win the league bowling championship. <laughs> Featuring Marissa Tomei as TJ's mother. That's a great casting call, Paul. Thank you. In the uh, money. She fits like a glamba. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who is one of many to come around looking for her son, sure. as well as the dude's own confrontation with his now 15-year-old daughter, who I kind of want to... Personally... I started to try to make it a plot point, but I almost want to like save it for the end because like all this Donnie Jr. stuff yeah. is getting to the dude. Maybe he, I'm thinking he has a dream sequence where he confronts it. Like the idea that he is not part of his, what he thinks is his son's life. And then it turns out it's a daughter, but the ultimate reveal when he meets the daughter is that she's always known who he is and has no use for him. Like <laughs> mods brought her up as like, yeah. Your father's a Mod. Right. deadbeat. Yeah. <laughs> um, in the end, after the truth comes out about who Donnie was and how he died, TJ shoots Walter, now blaming him for what happened. Damn. TJ is caught and arrested, and Walter survives. Thank Later, God. our heroes go to visit TJ in prison, and Walter picks up right where he left off and playing surrogate father, forgiving the confused young man stating that he's lost track of how many times he's been shot by a friend and assuring him (laughs) you're one of us. This is the big Karabatsas. Oh, fantastic. I like where you went there, Paul. I love it. I would see, I, 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 I would see that film. All right. A lot of, uh, strands to keep in my head, man. You know, a lot of strands in old duder's head. To me, it seemed like the the only opportunity for sequel uh, potential is uh, through a child, through the little Lebowski. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The dude has a daughter. The daughter is a lot. We all went daughter. Isn't that interesting? Well, I know. Which I just I just thought the same thing. Isn't it? Yeah. I think a daughter is way more compelling. A, a, a yeah, son, you know, another another dude, a young dude. Yeah. yeah. And there's something about right. a female right. character and not doing it as well as Jeff Bridges. Very yeah. right. It just yeah. worked better thematically. It's Maud's daughter, but 
she ends up being way more like the dude than she does Maude. <laughs> so there's a little bit of, you know, she's living with Maude. Maude's this like pretentious art loving, blah, blah, blah. I think the girl somehow gets a little bit wrapped up in the Jackie Treehorn world. Whether she's an nice. actual actress or not, she's, she's you know, she's involved in these yeah. productions. She's on set. She's seeing what's going on. <laughs> and so Maude comes wise to this, and she's pissed. Maude is not happy. This is not her <laughs> vibe, man. And so she <laughs> reaches out to the dude, and she says, Jeffrey, you have to deal with your dog. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the dude is like, all right, man, I'm going to go. And then he, he gets a, a scene with the daughter. You know, they sort of have this backroom dealing where they're talking about things and he's trying to convince her to come back home and chill out and be cool and whatever. Meanwhile, they witness a murder at the tree <laughs> estate. Something wow. goes, either Jackie caps someone or one of the other cats in the scene. Oh, yeah, we know there are shady dealings there. Yeah. Sure, violence. Yeah. We know it's not good. Yeah. So they witness this, and it's one of those scenes where it's like, oh, get her. They see her see this situation happen. Yeah. So it's a getter situation. They're on now, the Lebowski and his daughter are on the run. So in the process, old Duder is in a real bad way. And so what does he do? He called his old pal, the Vietnam met Walters. <laughs> oh, yeah. To come in, because that's to me, is one of the, my favorite parts of The Big Lebowski is when you finally get to see Walter embrace this anger that he has with the nihilists. And he throws yeah. the bowling ball and he bites the fucker's ears off. And all yeah. he lives for that. You know, he's just waiting for that moment where he has that. And so yeah. to me, this is this is the moment that I'm so stoked for. So they're on the run. The Lebowski's hurting. I can just picture the phone call. Be like, man, I need your help. It's fucking the shit is hitting the fan. Whatever. <laughs> right? Yeah. And the final crescendo takes place in a bowling alley, which I also think is super dope. <laughs> is perfect. perfect. The Walters there, and it's like Walter and his full get up, shotguns, fucking bullets across the chest, that whole shit. He's there. <laughs> yeah. He's there to help them all get through whatever the case may be. You know, we get through this moment. And uh, and so, yeah, I haven't figured out the ending. I don't know how it goes. I don't know if it's good or positive or bad or whatever. But that is my thought. Okay. Do you have a title? It is The Dude Abides Again. Okay. Ooh, I love that. Again, yeah. But yeah. The Dude Abides Again. I love yeah. that. That's yeah. all I got. My only note, and it's it's minor, and I think it fits right in. Yeah, is just so we get more Walter in the movie. Yes, there's some stuff early on with Walter wanting to help, offering his help. Absolutely. The dude being a little bit like, "No, this is my daughter. I don't want you fucking it up." Yeah, and then it it cast- like, Donnie man, I don't need your shit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then it gets to the point that he's like. I need Walter. Okay, so way the voting works is everybody gets to vote for one that is not their own. Okay. I got to go the dude abides again. There'd be something interesting to see um, these two characters solve uh, this crime. And it, like, what if the dude's daughter is uh, more, uh, what, what do they say to describe the dude for his clothing, Paul? Terminally relaxed. 
yeah what if she's more terminally yeah. relaxed than the dude himself yeah. you know and yeah uh, to the point that it's yeah. too much for him for him exactly like, so yeah. he begins cover to, up you know, yeah yeah right and yeah. when it's your daughter there's something right. visceral that makes you have more of an opinion and more committed to what their decisions are that i think yeah. is essential to any sort of potential uh sequel I think my vote would be because I can't vote for my own. I would go the the Walter focused uh, mm-hmm. one just because I think he's such a dynamic character that I I think there's a lot there that you can unpack. Okay, nice. My vote also goes to the dude abides again. So that's our win. Yeah! <laughs> oh, fucking a man! I got a rash. Man. A. You felt it. We felt it. The like, world. Now you gotta. Now you gotta write the write the treatment. Yeah, <laughs> just call Jeff, oh, on, Joel, Ethan, yeah. John. Yeah. So earlier we talked about unsung heroes, but there's one that I have to talk about. Hit it, Paul Junior. Unsung hero. Knox Harrington, my absolute favorite. Like that. Three lines between him and the dude. To mm. me, I could I could watch the whole movie and turn the rest of it off, and that would be right. literally <laughs> it. so good. Yeah. I don't even. I feel like we we worked with someone who could have friends like that. Charlie. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's making it so much better. He's a perfect. Because okay, the dude has Walter. And Donnie, that's right. his yeah. world. He's a perfect mod yeah. world character. Oh, yeah. And you don't need anything more than knowing yeah. he's a respected yeah. film yeah, filmmaker right. or whatever. My unsung hero for the first one, because like I said, the small characters are just as big as anyone else. Yeah. So it's hard to find someone that like for as much respect and love, deep love, Lebowski, there's a Lebowski fest. Right. You know, the people that love this movie know every single inch of it. So there's yeah. no one that's going to go undetected. So the closest I could find, the one I was very excited to find that I hadn't noticed before this, is when Walter is yelling in the coffee shop, there is yeah. a guy over his shoulder who gives him a sour face when he's doing yeah. the, I'm finishing my coffee. Right, um, right. Go back, check it out. He's worth a look. Uh, the, the, the woman who answers the door at Larry Sellers' house. Is also oh, Pete, uh, Peta, or what? What's her name? Yeah, yeah, Peta. No, he has health problems. One of my favorite lines <laughs> in the fucking movie. Like, does he still write? God, yeah, that's so he's funny. A, he's in a fucking iron lung. <laughs> he's in an iron lung. I, I have one. Oh yeah, Jesus more? rolls. Maybe he's more of an unsung villain. Slap it, Paul Junior. Unsung villain. You got the Christopher Walken scene. Christopher Mm -hmm. Walken does the like, you know, we don't forget, uh, you know, you did the bowling league, blah, blah, blah. You know, like he does that little setup for Jesus. And then the guard behind the Jesus says, we don't forget. Right. I don't know if you clocked this. That's as close as I feel like the movie came to doing a Lebowski moment. Yeah. And and they botched it. Like, they bungled it. It was it sucked. Like it didn't add anything at all. But that's I right. only noted it as a oh, okay. That was an effort there. But they don't know what they're fucking doing. Yeah. And then after that, it was just 
there were no rails to get back on. (laughs) (laughs) On the next follow-up showdown, we will instead be presenting a fourth chapter to the Back to the Future trilogy. Please welcome Robert Doyle, Adam Grun, and Lauren Getz. For me, I really kind of wanted to redeem the second one with a twofold goal.